He's just an amazing brother. You know, it's interesting. Uh, we were we ate some food last night together, and just sitting around the table, there were four representatives of four couples, and uh, one of those couples got married just last year, so they got one year of marriage under their belt. Uh, but between the other three couples, uh, there were 101 years of marriage. And uh, watching these two men that were with me last night, they had their wives, and just how they adore their wives and cherish their wives. I got to see firsthand just eating dinner with them last night together is awesome. And so thank you for your examples. Stan, as I was mentioning, pastors at Horizon Community Church out in Tualatin. He is a phenomenal brother in the Lord. He loves Jesus. He loves the church, the church, and he loves the gospel. He is a communicator of the gospel. I honestly, from uh, my first experience with Steve Jameson in doing some school assemblies, Stan launched an organization that was multi-church uh, called Uncommon Courage, and we got to work for the next seven years together doing school assemblies in many of the school districts uh, in the North Clackamas area. And so Stan was just a, an amazing influence in my life during those years and a real encouragement. He's been an encouragement to men for many, many years. And so having him be with us this morning is a great treat. Will you give him an all-one welcome this morning? And Stan Russell, come. We'll give the word to the Lord. Thank you, Dave. It's so cool to see you in this setting. And uh, can't tell you how impressive it is to see brothers from different denominations yeah, and churches right. joining together and loving one another. I know, Dave, when we joined together years ago, it, it's you know it's kind of the good old days in a way when you look back. Um, but these are the good old days. Come on. We can think of it that way too, because there's some crazy, wonderful things happening among you men here and among the churches. But, buddy, there was a two-year period where we did assemblies across the state where we saw over 2,000 kids come to Jesus Christ. And it's because churches and pastors were joining together and sharing the love. And something amazing happened in, in that season. Something amazing is happening among you. You know that the psalmist said, the Bible says, <clears throat> that wherever there's unity, the Lord commands his blessing. Oh, that's right. I don't know, I'm not sure you understand how dynamic what is happening among you is. The Lord is commanding his blessing good. because, of, because good. of your unity. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of a, uh, a comedian named Emo, uh, but uh, he, he wrote, uh, he penned this story. I want to read it to you. I can do it here with my phone. I thought of it before. I had to look it up on, online, but... He said this, once I saw a guy on a bridge about to jump, and I said, don't do it. He said, nobody loves me. I said, God loves you. Do you believe in God? He said, yes. I said, are you a Christian or a Jew? He said, a Christian. I said, me too, Protestant or Catholic? He said, Protestant. I said, me too, what franchise? He said, Baptist. I said, me too, Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? <laughs> he said, Northern Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist. I said, me too, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region or Northern Conservative Baptist Eastern Region? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region. I said, me too, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 
or Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. He said Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. And I said, die, heretic, and I pushed him <laughs> So I'm just really glad that you guys aren't doing any of that nonsense. You're loving one another and joining in what we, what we have in common. I want to talk to you today about being transformed. Um, and I, I want us to learn from the life of Moses in the next 30 minutes. Does anyone know what a caterpillar ends up being? A butterfly. Uh, now this is a biological example of what? Are, are you smarter than fifth grade? What is this biological example called? Metamorphosis, that's right. And it's a biological miracle, really. And that word metamorphosis is a Bible word first used by God, and it means transformed. And it's what God says is supposed to happen to us when we come to him. God wants to do that to you and to me. He wants a metamorphosis in our lives spiritually and emotionally. And he's been doing it for millennia. And today we're going to look at the life of Moses, this great man of God, this great prophet, and look at how he was transformed by God and may, maybe see if we can learn something from that. 2 Corinthians 3.15 The Bible says, Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Look at verse 18. We are being transformed into his likeness. That's what he wants to be doing in our life on a regular basis. If you think you've arrived, you have, because you'll never grow beyond that point. But if you understand this, we are always to be growing. Right. Let me pray. Father, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would come in a special way. We, we like to hide our weakness. And, uh, Lord, we, we want to we look good in front of people. And, and uh, we, 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 we just don't want them to see us in a negative light. But Lord, in doing so, sometimes we, we hold secrets. And that's where the enemy works. And so I pray today that those secret things can... Be made known in a vulnerable way, Lord, to, to our to our brothers, so we can lift one another up, pray for one another, be real, and Lord, most of all, be transformed. I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. That word transformed in verse 18 there, in the Greek is the word metamorpho. It's metamorphosis. That's that's the, the root of the word in the scriptures there. So that's what God wants to do with us. So uh, a few thoughts today. The first is this. We are being transformed into his likeness. You and I are to be transformed into his likeness. Let's look at Moses and his transformation. Do you remember how he lived in the first half of his life? He was raised as a prince in Egypt. He saw his people being persecuted. He rose up in his own strength and power. And in anger, he killed a man. Do you remember that in the Bible? And it seemed like a pretty good reason, but he was angry, and he killed him. And what happens when he lets go of this anger? And by the way, I don't hear it very much, but that is the main thing we're going to talk about today is anger. 
because that is uh, one of the problems that men have. And there's just a ton of reasons for it. I don't hear it talked about much, maybe touched upon, but it's really the core of this talk today. And Moses had an anger problem. He killed a man. And what happens when you let the anger go? It feels good in the moment, but pretty soon you're on the run and all kinds of relationships are broken. He's running across the desert, runs to the other side of the desert. And then we see the second 40 years of his life after that. First 40 years, lives in anger. What's it get him? You, you know, he, he, he has to run away. But, but then he goes to the desert and he's humbled there. And he's transformed. And he becomes forth as a leader who eventually says, I can't do this without you. And he was transformed because he had to live the life of a shepherd, which, which was calming to him. But he was taught patience through that. And, he, and then he was mentored by Jethro. Mentors are important to have people in our lives who care about us, who will sit with us, who will help us work through our weaknesses. And Jethro must have greatly helped Moses because after those 40 years there, he comes out a different man. He's a leader now. Numbers 12.3 says that at one point, Moses was more humble than any other person on the earth. But that's what the Lord said about him. So here's a guy who's got this anger issue, and, and, and he's coming forth and being transformed by God. Romans 8.29 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. Moses was being conformed to be like God. We are to be conformed to the likeness of the Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, the scripture says there. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very vulnerable with you today. I will tell you that I have preached this sermon at the church that I pastor at Horizon, however, because I, I just want to be real. Uh, just so you know, I never wanted to be a preacher. I grew up uh, and, and had hands laid on me when I was young that someday I would preach and be a pastor. I did not want it to be true. Uh, I was hoping it wasn't true. And so I, I was one who ran from the call of God when I was young. And, and I eventually answered the call of God. But since I, since I don't love the ministry, um, I feel like I can be real because I don't need to have it to be okay. Do you, do you know what I mean by that? So I want to be real in hopes that God will, will, as we talk about my family today, in hopes that somehow you can see that God would help your family as well. I want to talk to you about my dad. Um, he had a very rough life in his youth. He remembers uh, being left at home when he was three or four years old all day long and how it made him angry. Think of that. As a four-year-old, your parents are not there all day long. Why? I don't know. But they just, they, they had, they, he said they must have been busy, but they would leave him as a toddler all day long at home. He remembers twice that they tried, his parents tried to give him away. He remembers that as a, as a little boy. Raymond, wouldn't you like to go live with these people? They're nice people. But mommy, you're my mom. And so he felt early on like he wasn't wanted as a child. And when they would leave him at home, he said he, that's the first time he remembers anger in his life. Four years old. They're not there for him. He remembers being locked in a shed by his mother. His dad was gone all the time. Beaten by his mom. He remembers having a jar, a glass jar of peanut butter busted over his head. He remembers getting hit with boards. And it built anger in him. His dad died 
at 15, and he says to me, my father said to me, I can never remember a time where my mom or dad said to me that they loved me. Wow, guys. Don't just assume everybody knows that around you. Don't assume that your kids know that. Tell them on a regular basis that you love them. Show them. Give them hugs. I, I know this is a weird day. I want to tell you one of the things I regret about raising my children. It's such a weird day that, uh, and, and there's so many accusations and so much weirdness that, that when my daughter got a certain age, I didn't hug her as much. Man. I look back, I wish I had hugged her every day. I have a great relationship with my daughter, and I am hugging her every day right now. She's 25 years old. Every day I'm with her. But my dad can't even remember his parents saying, I love you. He left home after his dad died at 15 years old. He, he, he was working at a at a gas station and an engine blew up in his face and he, and he ran about a hundred yards on fire and someone finally tackled him and rolled him in the ground. He was in the hospital, nearly died, all the time wondering. See, his parents said they followed God, but they didn't live it in front of him. All the time wondering why God didn't love him. Now he's been burned. He was burned figuratively at home and now he's been burned literally. And it built anger in him. He, he eventually recovered from that. And lied to get into the army and served in Korea in the armed services. He was such a, such a fighter that, 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 that he would fight even his, his officers in the service at times and challenge them. He had a problem. He was embittered. He came home from the armed services, and after a while of just a life that was messed up, he gave his heart to God, and he met my mom at 27 years old. He was 27, and life was better. And then their firstborn at 22 months old died in a fire, a house fire. My older brother, Eric, I never met him. He died before I was born. But to make matters worse, he's wrestling with God. He's got these anger issues. He's coming out of it. And then his pastor comes over to his house after his 22-month-old dies. And his pastor said, I know this sounds crazy. I know you, you pastors would never do that. And I mean that sincerely. But this pastor uh, said to my parents, your child passed away because you weren't at church and not involved enough and he lost his country. And he's thinking, is that who God is? He killed my boy because I'm not acting right. And he backslid. He moved away from the church. And I was born in a home where I never heard God talked about before I was eight years old in our home. Uh, my parents, as far as I knew, weren't Christians. We didn't go to church. But then a neighbor boy invited me to church, and I went to Assembly of God Church in Aptos, California at Royal Rangers and found Jesus Christ. Amen. And um, 
came home not really not really understanding where my parents had been. Never knew anything about their history except that, you know, we had a brother that had passed away before I was born. And we started inviting our parents to go to church, my brother and I, who had come to Christ. A guy about 50 years old, just leading a group on Wednesday nights, just led us to Jesus. It was so believable to us. The first night we heard it, the gospel. We learned two scriptures that night, Matthew 5, 16, Romans 12, 1. Can still quote them in the King James. We learned them that night. First night, everyone went to church. And um, so we started coming home and telling mom and dad about Jesus. And before long, because that pastor started loving us and picking us up every week, those men in that church started gathering around them. <laughs> My mom came and gave her heart to Christ. Dad was a holdout for a while. But he eventually would say, that church loved my family so well, I could see that those other guys were wrong. So he called the pastor, talked about cherry picking, and said, I'd like you to come to my house and lead me to Jesus Christ. And then my dad started following the Lord. Now listen, my dad had, I, I, this, is, this is kind of a mixed message, and it's probably more true to real life. I've always deeply loved my dad, but my dad had anger issues when I was growing up. My dad was always there for me, and I did have fun, as Kathy was saying, on a regular basis. He was there to play catch with me, but it wasn't all perfect. He had these anger things that would come out every now and then, and, and when you know his history, it, it makes more sense. You know, we're pretty critical about people. But if you really knew their history, and what they've been through, um, you might have more compassion. Well, I'm going to tell you something. When my dad came to Jesus, I saw him change immediately. He wasn't perfect, but he started growing every day all along the way. And I started to see that my dad was being transformed. I saw it immediately when he came to Jesus. He, he wasn't there yet, but he was getting better all the time. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. And I saw that with my dad. He was growing more and more every day in the Lord. And the second thought I give to you today is, is this transformation is an ever-increasing, ongoing thing. If we used another theological word, we might call it sanctification. But we're going to stick with transformation today. And, and it's ongoing. It's ongoing in our lives. It's I, I'm growing every day. I'm still not there. I'm 56 and have been pastoring this church I've been for 24 years. I'm pretty sure when I get up every Sunday morning, there are people out there that are more spiritual than me. Seriously. I think there might be people who really know God better than me in our church. And it thrills me. I learn from them. But I'm growing. And I, I saw this transformation in my dad. And here it is again from 2 Corinthians 3.18. We are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. It's ever-increasing in our lives. We're becoming more and more like him every day. And I want to say to some of you today, at my, at my the church I, I pastor, they know I'm a prior, so we have, we have Kleenex. They don't have it here, so I'm just going to do that. And, just, and those things, we're just among men here today. Sorry, Kathy. <laughs> But ever, ever increasing, we, we're, we're, we haven't arrived. And, and listen, okay, you're not there yet, but I want to tell you something. You have a God who loves you. Yeah. 
That's right. You have a history. That was hard. You have a God who loves you. And he doesn't look at you with disdain. He wants to take your hand. He wants to lead you forward. He wants to bring you out. There's a lot of things he likes about you, by the way. But we need to let go of the fear because of our weaknesses and take his hand and say, okay, change me. Change me, God. Even for Moses, even when he comes to, to God and he's given his life to God, he becomes this great leader. He's not perfect. We see him as the leader of Israel when he shatters the Ten Commandments. You think God would have rather preferred to just stick with the original ones he, you know, he did on the mountain that day? Probably, but Moses shattered him, so he went back up, and lucky for Moses, God did it again. You know, God is gracious, right? But in anger, when he sees sin, right? He just shows us that I remember my son, when he was four years old, he's walking by the TV, and there's this preacher on there with his neck bow going, you know, on TV. He's preaching, and, and my son says, why is he so mad? I said, well, he's, he's not mad, son. He, he, he thinks he's anointed. He's just, he's just preaching. And Aaron says, looks mad to me. And if you know, a four-year-old walks away. We need to understand that, yeah, there should be elements about sin that make us angry. And not only in our own lives, but in the lives of others and in our culture. But, but really, a loving God just wants to heal, right? He comes yes. to heal. Live the life of love. We just heard it from, from Pastor Steve. And so, so Moses, we, we see, okay, he's living for, for God. He's a, he, he's a key leader, and he, but he's shattering the, the tablets. We see in the desert at Meribah, God tells him to speak to the rock and bring forth water, and in anger, he hits it. Here's a guy who's the spiritual leader, and he's not there yet. The truth is, none of us are really there yet, and we never will be. Honest to goodness, truth. But we can all be growing and becoming more and more like him every day and leaving things behind. And I think we see that in the life of Moses, don't we? That God loves him. God's sticking with him. God's blessing him. But you know what's interesting? He didn't get to enter the promised land because of that moment at Maryland. He had to watch from it. And I, I think if we don't choose to let God transform us, that we lose the best that God would have for us. That's why I would say today, just, just surrender your weakness to him. Maybe it's not anger. Maybe it's something else. Just surrender it to him. Understand he's a good God. He loves you. And let him bring forth the very best that he wants for your life. My dad, as a Christian, right away, we saw in his transformation that he went to church. And, and men, can I tell you something? I don't know anything that will help your family more than being at church every time the doors are open. That's right. That's right. One of my pet peeves is how we don't get kids to youth groups and children's church. It just kills me. We're trying to help you. Right. We're telling them to obey their parents. We're telling them about sexuality and what God says in the right way. We're trying to help you. And you think softball or baseball is more important. It's not. That's right. Probably your kid's not going to play pro ball. I'm just saying. <laughs> One out of 10,000, man. Probably not even going to get on the team like Ben did you know, at a major college. And, and so there's nothing more important. Okay, that, see, there's the anger coming out of me. Come on. <laughs> Hopefully it's a righteous That's anger. Great. That's a That's different great. thing. <laughs> my, my dad, let, I, I, could see, I could see him going to church. I, I could see that he quit drinking right away. He quit drinking because he had a problem with drinking. 
He quit gambling. He quit cursing. Immediately, all that happened in his life. But he still wasn't there yet. That anger thing was lingering, and, and yet I could see he's getting better. I could see it as a little guy. Colossians 3, 5, and 10 through 10 says, So put all evil things out of your life, sexual sinning, doing evil, letting evil thoughts control you, wanting things that are evil and greed. This is really serving a false God. These things make God angry. In your past evil life, you also did these things, but now also put these things out of your life. Now here, here's this category now that we're talking about. Put these things out of your life. Anger, bad temper, doing or saying things to hurt others. Some of us just grew up in atmospheres, or even with family members, when it, when it was on, you just start to put each other down. And it's so destructive. It's so painful. And God says, in your anger, bad temper, doing and saying things that hurt others. Put this away. Don't talk this way. Verse 10 says, You have begun to live the new life in which you are being made new and are becoming like the one who made you. Little by little, I saw my dad getting better. Okay, so here's, uh, here's where I get real with you about me. And this is, what, this is why we want to we get better. Some of the sins of my father have visited my life. Anger. You know, I was thinking when I was sitting there, I never thought this before, sitting here this morning, about uh, Cam Newton, you know, when he scores, he does this, right? Well, I'm about to do that as well, but it, it's not to show you how strong I am, it's to show you how weak I am. It's to open up to say, see, there's, there's things in here that God is still transforming. And I'm not here to tell you I'm a superman, but I'm here to tell you about a super God who changes man. That's good. And um, so some of these things, this anger got into my life. The Bible speaks of iniquities, and it's kind of the, the rubble and the ruin that would hang on from the past and linger. God wants to clean all that out. My son was about five years old, and my wife is amazing. I mean, she's, she's the most incredible woman that I've ever met. I love her with all my heart. She's been so good to me and for me, and she's helped me from the moment we were married. She, she saw things, but she was helping me, and I, and I was getting better. But every now and then, I didn't do good. You know, in that, the Bible, it says, don't say harsh words to your wife. I remember one time we were having an argument, my wife and I. And I said some things that I thought were right, but I didn't say them in a right way. I raised my voice, and I, and I sinned in that moment as I was harsh with her. And I went downstairs, and the Lord deals ever so gently with me as he spoke to me and said, no. You know, he just nailed me and said, that is not right what you just did. You go up and apologize to your wife. That's what I heard the Holy Spirit say to me. So, um, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes, but I, I never, it's never hurt me to say I'm sorry for things I've done wrong to others. I've never been hurt by that. As a matter of fact, when you say you're sorry, it starts to bring healing to not only people you're talking to, but to, you, to your own life. So I went back up and said, honey, I'm, 
I'm sorry, I wasn't, that wasn't right. Please forgive me. And I took her hand and we prayed and she forgave me in that moment. And um, as I was turned to walk downstairs, the Lord spoke to me and said, your five-year-old son heard that from his bedroom. Go apologize to him. Oh, man. So I went in there. There's Aaron. I said, buddy, did you hear that? He said, I did that. You shouldn't want to talk to mom that way. I said, I know. God convicted me, and I, I, I just told mom I'm sorry, and I asked her to forgive me, and now I'm asking you, will you forgive me? And he said, I forgive you, Dad. Nobody's perfect. He's five years old. I said, who told you that? He said, nobody. i just been watching you. <laughs> I apologized to Aaron and I took his hand and we prayed. And um, I wish I could say that uh, in that moment everything got completely better for me. Man, I hate I hate saying this. Here it is, but not not in pride, just almost a look away from me. I'm still still coming up. I still have times where I don't do as well as I should do. I want to do well for my family. I want to I love my God with my life. I want to let the ruin and the rubble come out. Got to be honest with you. I haven't been looking forward to this talk. It's painful to say this. I can tell you that I've been growing and I've been getting better all along the way. And I can tell you, let's go back to Dad. From the time my dad became a Christian, I think I saw him grow every day of his life. There was a lot that was there that was pain. But I think I saw him grow every day. And, and, uh, to the point where I remember my son, now 15, says to me, we're driving along, he said, Dad, I just thought of something. I have never seen Grandpa Ray angry. Honest to goodness, my first thought was, really? Well, let me tell you a couple of stories. <laughs> but I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I didn't tell him this because it's a testimony to God's transformation. Testimony to how dad came out of darkness and into the light and started walking with Jesus. Come on. So what I said to my son that day was, that is amazing, isn't it? Thank the Lord for it. That's what I said. Now, I just want to say to you that we can yield to this transformation process with confidence. When we come to God, we can know that he doesn't want to hurt us. He doesn't necessarily want to expose us. Now, I'm exposing myself a bit today, but it's because I, I know you're probably dealing with stuff too. It's not around this, around something, right? We all have our challenges. But God doesn't want to expose us or condemn us. He wants to take us from where we are to where we need to be so we can be blessed and a blessing. Romans 12.2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new by changing the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so when we let him 
transform this. We change the way we think. And by the way, what that means is stop calling it good. Stop calling it okay. Humble yourself. And tell God and others that you know you have an issue here. And, and ask God to forgive you. And come alongside some people and ask Him to help you overcome. So we have to change the way we think. And the, and the way we do that is to be real and honest with ourselves. Well, they need more discipline. And they, you know, we can go into all these things when we're just making excuses. Well, we're the man. You're the, you're the woman. And you, you, know, you need a stern hand every now and then. We can do all that stuff. But the truth is we need to stop calling it good. We need to stop saying it's okay when we go too far. Because it's not okay. That's right. We're hurting our children. We're hurting ourselves. We're hurting our families. And we might, we might even be hurting generations beyond. But God, God just wants to bring healing. So you can trust him and open your heart up. And I believe that you're around men who will love you if you speak your weakness. Who will pray with you and help you. His will is good and pleasing, and when we yield to His perfect will for our lives, our lives are better and more pleasing, not only to us, but to those around us. We find His greatest blessing. It's commonly taught, I'm trying to wrap it up now, but it was commonly taught that when Moses wore a veil over his face, that it was because he was humble. But I want to give you a different light from the Scriptures. In 2 Corinthians 3.13, we actually have a different explanation about why Moses wore a veil. Not because he was humble. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians, the New Testament. And not as Moses did who put a veil over his face so that the Israelis could not see the glory fade away. At first it was about the glory. But at some point in Moses' life, he wore a veil so people could see he didn't have as, quite as much as the, of the glory as they thought. That's what the scriptures say. This is a living Bible, but so they could not see the glory fade away. I know that's a different thought, but it's in the Bible. Look it up in 2 Corinthians 3.13. He wore it to hide that the glory was fading. And we're like Moses sometimes today. We hide the fact that we're, we're not showing his glory behind the scenes in our home. I know it's not a veil we put over our face, but we, you know, we just, it just, you know. Why would I want all my dirty laundry out there? I get that. You don't need to tell everybody, but there's some key bumper buddies. There's some people that should come alongside. There's some people you can trust and a mentor that you can talk to. And if you wear the veil, it's not going to end up this good. God wants to help us. The sins of the Father visit another generation and my, my dad who was a fighter actually became a boxer in the army he taught us to to box um, and he taught us I'm just going to be honest with you he, he would teach us to be angry and the way he would do it he, had, he, he grew up being a fighter and, and the way he would do it is when we were little guys he would tease us and push us until we tear into him fighting and then he would laugh and he would kind of slap us around a little bit. And, uh, and, and I asked him later, why'd you do that, Dad? And he said, well, it's a rough world. I wanted you to be able to take care of yourself. And he thought he was doing well, but it wasn't the right thing. This was before he was in Christ. <clears throat> so I grew up a fighter. <clears throat> I grew up, we moved so many times that there was, there was a sense of insecurity in me that I wanted to prove worth, and I did it through two things, sports and fighting. So I could prove I was good at something. 
But it really came from a base of this insecurity where I didn't feel, if I had been more secure, I wouldn't have needed any of that to be okay. My dad filled us with the thought that if people challenge you, you fight back to show your worth. And then dad got saved and he didn't do that anymore. But it changed to what I call the John Wayne ethic. We're, it's not quite God's way, but it's not a bad way, John Wayne, right? And it's, we're good guys, but if the bad guy wants trouble, we will finish this, right? That's the John Wayne ethic. And it's, but it, and it's closer, but it's still not right. Okay? My dad literally told me that turning the other cheek was the other guy's. That's what he told me. You don't start it, but you know, he, I knew, he knew better, but that's what he said, right? <laughs> There was a better way in Christ, and my dad, who was being transformed, was teaching us the best way he knew, but he was being transformed, and some of it got in us, and I grew up an angry young man who fought continually. Steve, I just thought of a situation I haven't thought of in years. I thought, well, Steve doesn't even know this about me. I go, oh, wait, he has seen it. We were on a football field at a camp, and we were battling back and forth with youth pastors, right, that were playing this game. And it got a little intense, and people were popping off, a little trash talking among the youth pastors. <laughs> and as a joke, I didn't know this, but Steve huddled everybody up and said, I want everybody to run and stand and act like you're going to hit him, but hold up right at the end. So that he doesn't know what's in me. He doesn't know where I come from. He doesn't know what I'm all about with this fight thing. They all run at me, and guess what I did? I ran at them. And when they were about to hit me, I thought, I might be going down, but I'm going to get some, right? And so I ran up, and I hit this guy, I, a forearm shiver. He stopped just in front. And I hit him with the forearm shiver and the Adam's apple so hard that he started going, ah, 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 like that. And Steve's like, what's wrong with you? And I I didn't know you guys weren't going to hit. It looked like you are going to hit. But all this yuckiness in me. Man, I bet you see that in athletes still today at times. Well, I'm, I'm not proud of that. I'm just saying I, I, I just, it's been a long journey for me. At 19, I really made a commitment to the Lord that was my own. I married Karen, and over time, I came to see the anger that I had. Uh, it, it was dealt with, and, 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 and in some ways, it was tamped down, but something else happened to me. There was a level of it that just, just a few years ago, the Lord revealed to me. I don't manifest anger the way I used to, but I still show my insecurity through another way that's very similar. It's veiled. The need to be right. <laughs> there it is again, right? I mean, he, he, he just, he, he's trying to help me. And my insecurity that used to manifest itself as anger now it's act, act secure but I needed to be right when I talked to my kids. I needed to be right when I talked to my wife. I needed to be right when I talked even to church leaders at times. Even though I was holding it all together and God revealed to me, still not there, son. That's not it. Because if you, with your family, carry the need to be right so you can be more secure, feel more secure, you will move your family to a place where they feel powerless when they talk to you and it damages their relationship. If I'm always right, why in the world would you talk to me? And eventually you start to, to, real, to, to resent that. 
And the Lord was showing me these things. Now I'm going to tell you what I did. When the Lord revealed these things to me, I have sat down with my children, sat down with my wife, and apologized for the need to be right. Apologized for making them feel powerless at times. And to my amazement, none of them said, oh, Dad, that's not true. Don't worry about it. They were like, yeah, okay, fine. You know, God's working on me. And, and, and I think today my kids would tell you that they love me. I think they would say I did a lot of things right, just like my dad did a lot of things right. Along the way, I hurt my relationship with my loved ones in these ways because of the past. And let's get down here. The key to overcoming and being transformed is confession and repentance. Now, I, know, I, I don't know when, but I heard Dave say that you guys are moving into small groups at some point where, you know, as part of your strategies as you move forward, potentially, and when you do, I just say, this, that would be a really safe place to start to say, okay, I need to be real about these things that I'm struggling with. It's not my wife's fault. It's not, you, you know, I like that thought. Uh, you, you know, you take care of the things that are within your, your control. What's within your control is your own, own behavior, right? That's where we need to start. <clears throat> James 5.16. I think this is a remarkable passage, and we, don't quite, we, don't, we haven't quite picked up on it in the church. Confess your sins to each other. This is believers. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So, pastors, you, I, I don't know if you can really go with me on this, but I, I think I see something here theologically. You confess to God for forgiveness, but here in the scripture, evidently to a great degree, you confess to other men and you pray to be healed. You confess to God for forgiveness, but your healing comes when you confess to men and you pray. At least to some degree, that's in there, isn't yeah, it? That's right. So, we need more of that. We need more people we can trust that we're sitting with saying, okay, I blew it again. And then we need to let them talk to us. And then we need to pray. And then we need to let them speak in our lives. And it could be someone who's been down the road and has got some healing that's a mentor. It could just be a brother that does pretty well in this area that we're struggling at. But it should be someone that's a little ahead of us in these areas, right? And we get, we get to choose who we talk to. Don't talk to everybody. You don't need to talk to everybody. You don't need to air everything out to everybody. Talk to God and talk to a few key people that you trust that love you. My wife, and I'll close with this, had a... Um, her grandfather died of uh, gangrene, a farming accident, taken to the Salem Hospital. And, uh, the, the accident didn't kill him, but the gangrene did. They've learned some things about gangrene. An effective treatment for gangrene is exposure to the air. You know, they used to just put you know, some sort of medication on it and cover it. If it, it, it wasn't good to cover it, it made the wound worse with gangrene. That's what they found out. And there's this therapy called hyperbaric oxygen, which is exposure to the air. So taking the, taking the bandage off and uncovering it actually brought more healing than time. And I think sometimes when we cover these things, we, you see where I'm going with that? Yeah. It's, it's, it's true, too, that we got this gangrene, this thing that's not out of there, and it's this thing called sin, and it's, it's coming out. But we want to cover it, and we say, well, I'll medicate by reading the Bible, and I'll do these things. But God says, what I want you to do is uncover it. 
I want you to confess. And I want you to pray with someone, and then you'll be healed. Wow. Well, hey, if you feel funny about that, just imagine how I felt coming to say this to you today. Pastor Stan. But, I just want to kick the devil in the teeth. I just want to overcome. I want to see you overcome. I want your family to be blessed. I want my family to be blessed. I want us to be healed. So, might surprise you today that my dad's here. Dad, could you come stand with me for a moment? working out a few times a week. Still thinks he's tough, but he's spiritually tough, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but he's awesome. And I appreciate your example, Dad. And um, we're going to pray right now for, for, these, for these men. All right, Father, thank you that you brought healing to our family, Lord. Thank you that we, we don't have to run and hide. We don't have to cover it. We can just... Open it up to you and to the right people, Lord, and we can find healing. And I thank you for, for a dad who said, I'm going to take hold of it. I'm going to take responsibility for it. I'm going to grow. I'm going to become more like Jesus. Maybe I made mistakes, but I'm going to lead my kids to the humility of the transformational power of Jesus Christ, the forgiving power of Jesus Christ. And metamorphosis. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I, I want to do one thing just for the next two minutes. And if this doesn't work for you, that's cool. Because the guy sitting beside you may not be the guy you're comfortable with. But I want you to turn to someone beside you. And if you can find it in your heart, and just, just the next moment. So we're only going to take two or three minutes. So it's probably deeper than that. But I think a good step, you know, the thing about momentum is, is if you're on your heels athletically and going backwards, it is not good, right? But if you can get the inertia stopped and get the momentum going the other way, every step gets easier after the first one. If you've got true. momentum. And I believe it would create momentum today if we just confess something to a brother beside us. Hmm. Now, now, if you're not comfortable with it, uh, say... I'm not comfortable, and, and that's cool. But but I want I want you to find someone. I'm just asking you for a find to find someone to reveal it, to say you need help. If I can say I need I need God's help and I need the help of others, I think you can too. And 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 if, if my dad can say it and get better, and I can say it and get better for my kids, we're just getting better. We're just becoming more like Jesus, and we're allowing Him to bless us the way He wants to bless us. So would you turn to someone the next two minutes, and just say, you know what? 
I admit it, I got something here, and then pray for one another. Take a minute to pray for one another, and then we're going to move on, all right? And if, and if there's if there's an extra person at your table, just thank God you don't have to talk to anyone or, or find someone at the next table, all right? But just take a minute and do that right now, and Dave will be right back in a moment. 